everybody welcome to the 357th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rainy rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct ready to talk about the first week of blazers basketball and the first week of actual basketball that matters so uh i'm ready to get into it we both have busy busy schedules so let's talk about these blazers yeah a quick recap of the first week of blazer basketball the blazers sitting at one and three losing on opening night 123 to 111 to the los angeles clippers in a game that was not as close as that score may indicate i believe the blazers found themselves down by as many as 30 points in that third quarter they lose on opening night to the orlando magic at home 102 97 And then they are in the midst of a three-game East Coast road trip, losing the first one to the Philadelphia 76ers, 126-98, to where Philly just completely took a six-point lead at halftime and just ran away with it in the second half. And Portland gets on the win column with a gritty 99-91 victory over the Toronto Raptors, which was a back-and-forth affair, but... Uh, They found a way to get it done, and now you don't have to worry about when the next win is going to come because that schedule is difficult. The Blazers only have four players uh, that started the roster that were on the roster on opening night last year that are currently on the roster this year. A lot of new faces uh, in different places and in big roles. So it's not just like you're trying to uh, replace the the 10th, 11th, and 12th men on the bench. You've got a new starting point guard. You've got um a new basically from opening night you have everybody new except for jeremy grant you know 20 percent of your starting lineup is is the same 80 percent is different from opening night that's uh very difficult to achieve and when a lot of those players are still not able to legally drink that means you got a young ass team and you are going to see things like we saw and obviously we have been saying you got to be patient this team is going to take a bunch of lumps and bumps and bruises but sage I will say as we kick off this 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 show, there's losing and then there's looking like an AAU team. And I think for far too much of those 16 quarters of first week basketball, the Blazers really looked like a discombobulated, disjointed mm-hmm. basketball team. Uh you had players running into each other in the paint, the paint being crowded. Uh, as uh, a subway in in New York City, which we will get into. You have players not knowing how to set screens. (laughs) You have a lot, a lot of ISO heavy basketball, minimal ball movement, very few players. We're the worst team in assists currently. Very few players willing to make uh, the extra pass. And and frankly, I think you have some players who don't really want to be here. And we will get into that as well. Uh, So I'm, I'm fine being one in three. I could care less that we lost the first three. And to be honest, I could care less that they won in Toronto. It's not about the wins and the losses. I will continue to harp on that. 
It's how the team is looking, how they are playing. Are they competitive and are they building something? Are they building chemistry? Are they building continuity? We we keep hearing this phrase from, from Chauncey Billups. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. So we might as well be together. I would not define the first four games of this season as togetherness. That There is not a lot of continuity, not a lot of, I, I would say, cohesion that we have seen from the 2023-2024 Trailblazers. Now, that doesn't mean it can't come. And there is a bit of leeway because of all of the the newness that I that I touched on to start the episode. But in the Toronto game was a step in that right direction. We need to see those steps. We need to see less and less AAU, uh, YMCA type of basketball and more, okay, this team is playing like a unit. They might just be outclassed on this night. So there, there is some leeway. We're four games into the season, but we do need to continue to see progress on that type and not on that style. Uh, I, I, I have to argue with you, bud. I think that the, the Blazers do. There is cohesion. Malcolm Brogdon took so many shots and so... And did so many ISO heavy things. But if you watch him, if he got in trouble, he passed it and got it right back. It seems like they they want that to happen. So like I, I think that I think that the whole staff said Malcolm Brogdon is gonna be the guy that kind of is our horse for for uh this early part of the season, even when Anthony uh Anthony Simons was playing. He was still the leader in usage and ISO heavy trips. Like I, I remember us worrying that Anthony was going to be the guy that ISOed everything. It's Malcolm Brogdon's old ass trying to create, and it, it seems like his teammates are actually fine with it. Like they give him the ball. They if they weren't happy with what he's doing, they wouldn't pass it right back to him so he can slowly ISO. So I, I, for whatever reason, I think that Malcolm Brogdon iso ball is kind of what Chauncey Billups wants. I know it's not what we want, and maybe it's so he can get traded in the future. But right now, like they're giving hit, giving him the ball right back. He is like the leader in usage. He is the focal point of our offense right now. It's it's absolutely insane. But like, if that was the word on high that we're getting get. Malcolm Brogdon, his his time, they're certainly doing it. I think one can be true, but also I don't think that represents continuity or cohesion, though. Like I, I'm I, I can I can see your point on that being the, the team's game plan. I still, with my eyes, what I've seen. Oh, it's fucking atrocious a, to watch. But it, I it, think it, they're it, succeeding but I'm not in seeing doing a team that is so to me, a team that shows cohesion. They're they're talking on defense, they're making rotations. They're not turning the ball over, uh, silly passes. Uh, they, they they know how to run a functional offense. Too many times I have seen this team. So, for example, opening night against Orlando, Shaden Sharp has two beautiful pick and roll on the weak side. He just dumps it off to uh, DeAndre Ayton. Two quick, quick buckets. Malcolm Brogdon is not even in, 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 in the game. They completely go away from that. And so I think that's a representation of the the coaching staff to not identify that and say, you need this. This is we're going to eat. We like DeAndre against their bigs. He's we need to get him into the offense, especially after that rough uh, early foul trouble outing against the Clippers. And then they go away from it. You're seeing a lot of quick shooting. 
I mean, you look at that, there's a clip floating around on Reddit and it's the Jeremy Grant ISO special where there's 16 seconds on the shot clock and he's going one on five. He has got it in his mind. He is shooting that basketball. I don't think anybody is is calling for that. But I, And I think the, the lack of cohesion from my point of view comes from there's a handful of players, Malcolm, Jeremy, and Matisse, who don't feel like they're completely bought in and you're seeing a lot of hero ball. I'm just here to get mine, not making the extra pass. And maybe because Anthony Simons is out, the Blazers don't really have any other options to do it, or they're um, not willing to maybe start a, a rookie at the small forward to replace Matisse. And we, we know there's not a lot of uh, bigs uh, ready-made at the four to just step in right now. So Portland could be at a position of, of weakness when it comes to addressing uh, some of the selfish play, but I, I just, I hope we see just more trust in one another, making the passes. Like, I think you're seeing that from the younger players. I think DA is actually doing a really good job of grabbing rebounds, kicking it out. Like he could be one that could be forcing the action because he hasn't really been involved, but you know, I saw him in that clipper game, still down 30 blocking shots and starting a fast break, you know, grab, I mean, he set a personal high against the Raptors pulling down 23 rebounds, um, he still seems to be bought in, and that is a huge thing that I'm going to be watching over the, the course of this season. Um, that's been kind of a knock on him in Phoenix, but he still seems to be bought in regardless of how many touches he's getting. He's doing everything that the team needs, and uh, I've been really pleased with how he's just able to uh, man the glass and score, You know, finish really well around the rim. Like Once I think they start to build some continuity, and that is something that does come with time. I think we're going to see more lob passes. I think hopefully we see him more in that free throw line extended area, like 10, 15 feet. Can you hit those jumpers to open up the floor a bit? Uh, but I've I've really enjoyed what I've seen from, from DA. I, I think with rebounding being such a, a weakness on, on this team, uh, to have someone who can go out there and grab you 20 boards on any given night is just huge. I think there's context to why he potentially struggles. Of course, there's foul trouble, but if he's an interior big, the interior should belong to him. We try and put Robert Williams in at the same time as him. That really ruins spacing. You put Matisse Thybulle in, who is such a non-factor as a shooter. He the, the, the paint's even more crowded. You put Scoot Henderson, who I believe has only made one three-pointer this year, and he's not going to help spacing at all. I, I think that Scoot and Matisse and Robert Williams is all attaching to the fact that he's not, that the A is not scoring as effectively as possible. It's just when there's three players that are just absolute non-factors or even four, we go in games where it's just four non-factor shooters. What's a smart team to do. They're going to clog the paint and make you force, force a bad shot over them. And of course there's going to be times where we're making it like, Toronto, we made shots, and that's why we won. Like, I, I think that spacing is going to be the reason that DA may or may not have good games. Like, if I think that every single player has ruined spacing on this team, like, I just don't think that Chauncey Billups has ex expressed how important spacing concepts are. There's parts of the game where, like, even Tumani, who I know can shoot was just chilling right next to a teammate. And then in a late clock situation, they only needed to send one. So I feel like 
in terms of DA's uh, production, it's all going to be on. Are we smart enough to space the floor enough for him to do it? Like, I bet you he and Scoot can run beautiful pick and roll action just off the pick and roll. And if we have proper spacing, it's going to work. But until we have more shooters surrounding our guys, it's just going to be a clogged up paint. And that's going to lead to fast breaks for the opposing team. Like right now, I'd say we're bottom five defense, bottom five offense because of the lack of spacing. Like it all goes down to spacing and how we cannot space the floor without like without any like. I don't think we're confident right now. I think that right now we're just not confident in our shots. Offense, we are 26th in offensive rating. Uh, defense, we are 21st in in, off, in defensive rating, uh, according to basketball reference. Uh, I think there are a few ways that the coaching staff should look to enhance the spacing because, yeah, it looked like just an absolute sardine can in, in every game this year where you you can take a screen grab of any point in time and the opposition has four to five men yeah i did that i did that in the uh orlando game i was like with a a foot in the paint i mean it's just there's nowhere for the players to breathe um i think that is also a a pretty big reason why scoot henderson is struggling to start the season because he wants to get downhill but you can't get downhill when everybody else is in in the painted area uh, I th- so so back to some solutions. Uh, Jeremy Grant, for all of his his quals, is a really good three point shooter, yeah. and especially off of the catch and shoot, he's got an incredibly quick release. I have not seen many sets where he is ready to be the the, the recipient of of a catch and shoot three to get him open. Uh, it seems like he is you know a little bit closer to the paint than we would like him as well. I also think you just did you watch the Toronto one? Yeah, because I, I think that. I don't think they actually run plays. I think Scoot Henderson does what Scoot Henderson wants. I think in the Toronto game, there were times where he got to the penetrated and kicked it out, but it was so few that I'm only remembering two or three open threes that he's gotten. I really don't think we run plays. I really think we just roll the ball out and go. Yeah. And I I think Matisse Thibel cannot, cannot play rotation minutes. Uh, in in this league teams are going to dare him to 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 beat them even if he shoots three for six which is 50 percent incredible teams are going to live with that they're saying we want matisse to shoot the basketball um we watched in that orlando game like he's having trouble even setting screens um and why are you setting a screen with matisse thibault his defender is not going to matisse is not a threat to roll he's not a threat to pop you're basically just bringing an extra defender over to the ball handler uh, I, I think he needs to be removed completely from from that rotation, and uh, you, you have to get players who are going to to spread the floor. And then, also, la- lastly, I, I really think it may not be a three point extended. But what did we see from Scoot Henderson in that first summer league action? He got to the mid range against any Houston defender, some good Houston defenders, and was just shooting with confidence. We finally saw that uh, against Toronto, Toronto yeah. one or two of those, but there needs to be some specific calls where he comes off a pick and roll and doesn't have to necessarily be three point extended, but use your acceleration, use your burst, stop 15 feet extended, get the rhythm, and then you're going to be comfortable shooting the threes. Like whenever I, whenever you played basketball growing up in, in the leagues, coaches would always say, don't warm up by shooting threes, like start early, start by the paint. 
and you know get get your rhythm get your rhythm get your rhythm and then start slowly moving back out and then your body is ready to shoot those threes you know you're loosed up you're 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 ready to go um for scoot especially being like it's not one for 20 but it feels like one for 20 he has only made one three this year be, be, having that be your first maybe two or three looks at the at the at the hoop that's just not a success a, uh, a recipe for success for him i would love to see him get to the mid-range that's where he needs to live and then you can start looking at okay well we've got scoot hitting the mid-range we know shaden's a threat from deep jeremy's a threat from deep if you can find a small forward whether it's tumani get your ass out of the paint i would even love to see some chris murray minutes um spread the floor because then you're going to let your big fella have more room to to roam and, and operate. And Scoot Henderson's best asset right now is his ability to blow by a defender. Uh, most of his buckets this year have been just off of dribble penetration when the, the, the lane is parted. Mm-hmm. You're going to unlock him. And that is obviously key for this season. So without Anthony Simons, who is out four to six weeks with that thumb injury, the Blazers are going to have to find ways to open the floor up for their main uh, people. And I don't think that is accomplished by keeping Jeremy closer to the rim and by playing Matisse Thibel real NBA minutes. You know, I started seeing it uh, in the Toronto game. Scoot would get the ball and just push before DeAndre Aiden got to the, like if DeAndre was passing it in, he would just run and get like initial attack before the lane before the paint got closed up at all i think that he might need to do that more often just if the center is passing you the ball sprint up and they're not going to be set because deandre is all the way back there still running i think that man it, it it's it's a very tough thing to to try and i i just don't think that, that we have the creativity offensively to like do anything but this iso stuff like like the what reason Dame was so awesome was because he got into the paint easy, but for whatever reason he had spacing with worse players. Like I guess it's the respect that he got, but like Scoot doesn't get any of the respect that well, yeah, uh, you Dame have to gets. respect Dame from thirty five yeah. feet extended. I mean, so that just initially allows him to get a head full of steam downhill, and it's much harder to pack the paint when you've got an NBA athlete already with three or four steps of momentum because then he's going to be able to do what he does so and that's why i'm talking about scoot needing to get a little bit more into a rhythm even if you're only putting pressure on the defense foul line extended uh you're still getting into your spots and then the three-point shot will come frankly i'm not i mean i'm not worried about scoot and and I, i don't think people should be either he's a 19 year old point guard so if you if you listen to last week's episode we said he was in for a rough opening night he had a pretty rough opening night until the fourth quarter. Like it's going to happen. He he's 19 playing in the most difficult position to play at in the NBA when it comes to being a first year player. He has to make all of the decisions. He has all the playmaking responsibilities, all the ball handling responsibilities. Like he is the head of the snake. And that's a lot to ask for a 19 year old, regardless of how heralded he is. So these these learning curve games, they're they're going to happen, and he's going to. There's struggle. going to be a game where it looks like he's the best point guard of a generation of point guards. People have to, uh, I think, just take take a deep breath. I, I know people are like, "Oh my God, Brandon Miller is averaging 17 points per game, leading all rookies." Well, Brandon Miller does one thing, and that's that shoot the basketball off of other people setting him up. Brandon uh, Miller, Lamelo setting him up. Terry yeah, Rose, Brandon Miller does up. not create for himself. There's 
context when you when it comes to looking at other NBA players. And if you want to make a comparison from last year's draft class, I was watching the Kings and the Lakers. They were raving about Keegan Murray. You know, he's averaging, you know, 15 and a half uh, points, seven and a half rebounds, uh, improving off of last year. And they're happy because that's, that's what they need. But Keegan Murray in a vacuum is not, um, I, I think a super prized player to have because I, I, He's he lacks athleticism. Anthony Davis completely erased two straight layup attempts from him. Like he is a pick and pop big who's going to get you a few rebounds, but like I, I don't think he's ever going. And he to has Sabas and uh, yeah, he's not going to project into a twenty-five point per game score. But that but they're happy with him. And if you look at Shaden Sharp, he has a little bit. He's self creation. He can catch and shoot. He's now doing a little bit of playmaking, and he's stepped it up a bit. And Shaden looked a little bit lost at times last year. It takes time for these 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 young players, and you know, I, I think if if you're if you're Scoot, just block out the noise, do what you do. It's an 82 game season, and just if you can do one thing better than the next on on each um, consecutive game, just continue to build. It's like you're chopping a tree. Like you don't chop a tree in, in one swift movement. It takes. Time after time after time, it takes a lot of uh, repetition. It can be tedious, but a month from now, he can be looking back and saying, "I am a completely different player than I am right now." And, and I think that's really important for for fans um, because I, I, I've still seen the joy from Scoot. Uh, you still see him chest bumping teammates, being positive. Da mentioned after the Clippers game that Scoot was still upbeat, um, telling the team to keep fighting, even though they were down, you know, big. And staying positive because as the leader, one of the young leaders of this team, his body language and his attitude is going to uh, rub off. And that's really important that despite him having maybe the one of the worst games of his basketball career, he was still ready to continue going. And I think that's what you get when you get scoot. So we are recording at 2.30 p.m. and the uh, injury report just came out. And this is going to be important for the first game of the night. Jalen Duran is out. Information is king in NBA. Jalen Duran not being in that starting lineup against the Pistons going to be huge because they could either go Alec Burks as a starter. They could move Marvin Bagley into the starting rotation, or they could move the biggest bust in a recent while, James Wiseman, into the starting lineup. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in these games, see what the starting lineup is for the Detroit Pistons. Because if JD was playing, my my pick will, would would be much different than what it will be. Can we talk about my my boo real quick though? Because I think Shaden Sharp has been awesome. He's been, I think, like you, you look back at the last ten games of last year. You know, putting up basically twenty four six and four, forty um, percent from three. Uh, on high volume, and everyone's saying, "Oh, it's just the tanking Blazers." Like, let's not too much stock in it. Well, when Anthony Simons went down, it was a, a bummer for Ant, but I was excited as a fan of Shaden because he got to move into that starting shooting guard role, where I think that is going to be his his future um, in, in the league. And you look at his numbers: eighteen points per game, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. Uh, shooting 35% from three, 92% from the line. And he struggled last year at the line. I think he was hovering around 70%. Um, and it's not 
just the and we haven't really even seen a, a Shaden highlight dunk so far this year. So he's not really getting a lot of opportunities. His teammates, again, a lot of new teammates haven't found him yet. I know Scoot and Jeremy both missed him a couple of times uh, earlier this year on the break, but he's getting a lot of his points. Um, hustle. Hustle. I mean, you look at the opening night, just attacking the glass. You look at Orlando, uh, first game after Anthony was out. Uh, he was the guy that kept the game close, uh, scoring from all three levels. But what I've been most impressive with has been that little side pick and roll that we talked about with DA. He had one with Robert Williams in the opener that led to a two-handed finish by uh, Time Lord and the defense. I mean, just he uses you see him do 94 feet a few times a game. Yeah, he has the athleticism to be dominant defensively, blocking Chris Boucher's turnaround fadeaway. Chris mm-hmm. Boucher is a long man. And then just how high he soared to take away Grady Dick's uh, layup attempt. I mean, he got over the top of the square on the backboard. Um, he, if he continues on this trajectory, we are looking at a special, special player. And I know I'm, I know we're only in, in one week post Anthony Simons and there's probably three to five more weeks, uh, minimum to go. But I, I think the Blazers are going to have a, a big, controversy problem whatever you talk about because i i don't know what the, what they do like um, you, malcolm shaden scoot anthony that's that's a pretty we talked about the paint being that's crowded. a six weeks that's a six weeks from now problem that i'm already projecting that because uh shaden shaden needs to be the guy they need but they need are, to do you think out. that malcolm's gonna be here in six weeks there there, there could be a chance that he's just gone because well they have to wait a certain amount of time to oh yeah that's him. very true isn't it um, December 15th? That's when free agents can sign. I th- think it's 90 days after trade completion. So I'm I, I'm I'm not completely sure. I, I just know if they wanted to trade him solo, they could, but if they want to um add him in with other players, I think they have to wait a certain amount of time, definitely before the, the trade deadline. Um, and you would have to think that he would be on the move. It just it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you can get a first round pick uh for him. But it's it, it's difficult. It, so I was alive, but I wasn't really aware of the Blazers when I was two years old. But the, this Anthony Shaden situation is starting, and I've read a lot about this, is starting to remind me of Kiki Vandeway and Jerome Kersey in the late 80s. The Blazers traded a swarm of talents. You're talking about Fat Lever, Wayne Cooper, um, Calvin Nat, And they sent that to Denver, and they get Kiki Vandeway, who just basically did nothing but score the basketball fantastic at it, but did nothing but score the basketball. Well, they draft Jerome Kersey in 84 athletic and, but raw, he starts to refine his game, get a jump shot and he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing for minutes. It wasn't until Kiki Vandeway got hurt. I believe in the 87 season, 87 or 88 that Kersey moved into that starting lineup and he never relinquished that job. And ultimately they moved Vandeway um, in 88 or 89 to the Knicks and Jerome Kersey was basically the heart and soul of those dominant early 90s teams. This feels pretty similar because you've got Shaden who gives you a lot of different varieties of how we can impact the game. Anthony is better at shooting the basketball and creating his own shot, but that's it. That's, that, that's really what you're getting. And so if they're not willing to stagger minutes 
if they're not willing to potentially make Anthony a sixth man defensively, it is going to be a struggle. I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast with uh, Nikias Duncan, and they were talking about just like little things they saw on opening night. I mean, they already called out that the Anthony Shaden scoop minutes were just dismal defensively. And so I don't know if that is the path forward for this team. I think you've got undersized uh, shooting guard. with. Are we talking long-term or short-term here? I don't say I don't Cause, know because here's what I'm thinking. That's why it's so one second. That's why it's so difficult because you have Anthony under contract for two more seasons. So technically it could be a long-term fix or a long-term problem, but it could also be a short-term if you're starting to look at hindering development of what I, th- I think is probably right now the best player on the team in Shaden. Well, I here's where I'm at. We're already dismal defensively. <laughs> yeah. So, like, even being worse doesn't really, like, when you're already a bottom 10 team, there's not much more you can fall. So, where I'm thinking is, like, I remember us talking preseason about having good size everywhere. I, I, I'd much rather it's just suck even worse defensively. If we can have the spacing of Anthony plus Shaden with Scoot, I think that that's going to help development even more so. If development's the thing that we're going for, I think an open air, uh, open lane for Shaden and Scoot to develop craft. The reason why I tweet so often Shaden's finishing craft is amazing is because our spacing is so dog Did you see shit. That finish over Embiid on the break. It's just filthy. But we need to, I think we sacrifice any defensive thing just for more spacing offensively because we're already dog shit defensively anyway. Let's just be more and have spacing so Scoot can get his reps in, Shaden can get his reps in, and we have an open floor. Like I I am at the point where, yeah, Shaden, we much prefer you at the two. But you're gonna have to play the three for some minutes because we cannot afford to have Matisse Thibel play any minutes with any of our guys. So for right this second, I'm on the 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 stand of, yeah, we're gonna be bad defensively. Let's at least be able to score because we're bad at both. Let's at least be good at one and then just be atrocious. Like I was looking at it, and the Washington Wizards. Like playing against them, it's like in baseball when you go in course field because the altitude lifts so much. Let's just be the the basketball version of course field where everyone scores a lot against us, but we can score too because I think the development of how we can get to the basket and score is going to be much more valuable with Shaden, uh, Scoot, and Anthony Simons on the floor than the the little bit of pluses defensively if we have proper size because we're just so bad in both areas i want to be good at at least one <laughs> i hear you I, I do think there needs to be some staggering of, of sure minutes. there definitely we've, needs to be staggering but i, I see them starting together this year when scoot is off ball it's basically like matisse thibault on the court mm-hmm. the, the, the defender is not um respecting him he's not moving without the ball and we saw that from Shaden in his rookie year too just not knowing how to move without the ball so for now i think you need Scoot to have the ball in his hands to be effective and to grow in that development. So if Scoot is having the ball in his hands, that's why I want to see um, Anthony off of the bench. Then Anthony can come in and be the primary ball handler, or then Shaden can be the primary ball handler. Like I think they need to reduce 
scoots off ball minutes because when Malcolm gets, they the just ball, don't respect him at all. Yeah, it's just it's not good for his his development. And you know when he he and Malcolm play, it's it's Malcolm time. And I, I don't want to see that. I didn't sign up for the season to watch Malcolm Brogdon shoot you know eighteen shots a game. You also have to look, and I, I think. I mean, I would, I don't have a say in it, but I would be willing to give Scoot, Anthony, and Shaden extended minutes a chance if they find a different solution at the four. I just, Jeremy Grant's wanting to shoot the ball every time he touches it. Like there's, there's just only one basketball. There's only so many possessions. Can you sub out Jeremy and put Jabari in that unit? You know, Jabari's going to hustle and not take up a lot of usage. Uh, you also want to make sure you're getting Shaden the playmaking reps. Like right now, it's 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 really going to take a lot of patience. It's everything is is muddled and, and murky, and I really feel for the players because I think roles are being shifted and they're not super well defined. And that's one thing that is directly correlated over to the regular working man. Right, you're in a, an environment where you don't know what your role is, and it's completely changing Mm -hmm. that's stressful and you're not going to be the best version of yourself when you don't know what's expected of you at any given minute so this is why it's also terrifying who we have as our head coach and Mm -hmm. um yeah it 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 does worry me um so i I hope they they figure it out and really the the trade deadline can't come soon enough because i think they, they need to trim trim a little bit of of the fat and really say okay if Scoot, Shaden, and Ant, and DA, those four need to eat the most, those four eat the most. And then, you know, Malcolm and JG, hope you have good luck in your next in endeavors. But that's uh, what it's, I think, going to be uh, really through through the new year as the, the Blazers kind of figure out who they are. And maybe it's a cream rises to the crop situation. But um, wanting to uh, pivot a bit, I signed up for League Pass. Uh, because you do get to watch the games three days um, afterward. And uh, Ari's been teething. And so he kept us up and middle of the night. And I'm like, well, I'm up and I have to watch him while he goes to sleep because he's got his lovey and he's not old enough to be left alone with his lovey. So want to make sure that he's comfortable and he stays asleep and gets his good sleep. So I'm like, I'm up. What? I have league pass. So I watched entire Pistons heat opening night game. I've uh, been tuning into other games. I wanted to uh ask you what are your five league pass teams like you see that the schedule like i have to tune in to that game or watch it in archive form so how i watch games now is is, it's almost entirely based on what my dfs slate looks like and who's the value and who i have the most but if we i was to take the dfs out of it completely i think the pistons because of Cade, asar and uh jd have to be in there the Pacers with Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Miles Turner, and my boy Jairus Walker. I really love the Oklahoma City Thunder with all of those young guys. You know I love Chet. Shea is amazing. New Orleans pisses me off to no end. They are also a team that deals with a lack of spacing. So my two favorite teams dealing with an absurd lack of spacing pisses me off. And then I'm going to have to go to the Spurs because obviously Wemby's amazing and, you know, such a unique talent. But, you know, I have love for Devin Vassell. There's a lot of Spurs guys that we talked about on this podcast, like Keldon and Devin. 
obviously Wimby, but we didn't really talk about him that much because we didn't have a chance at him. But like, so I think those are my five, the Pacers, Pistons, Thunder, Pelicans, and Spurs. I think I'm with you on three of the five. Definitely Detroit. Um, I love Jalen Dern. It still irritates me. We traded that 2025 bucks pick for Jeremy Grant instead of flipping it to the Knicks to take Jalen Dern. I mean, he he's going to be a I, I think he's going to grow into a more souped up Bam Adebayo, and that that's that's scary, bro. Um, so there, the the first game of the uh, uh, Pistons game, I uh, saw that Jalen Dern's prop for uh, double doubles was like, if I put a hundred, I get five hundred. So I've just been betting Jalen Duran double doubles for the last week. It's not even on DraftKings anymore because it's such a certainty that he's getting it. They just don't even put it. That's how crazy he is as a rebounder. I am a big Asar Thompson fan. He is my dream starting small forward with this core. So I love watching him play. And then I really like Jaden Ivey uh, coming out of the draft. And it's uh, been interesting watching him play because I don't know if he necessarily fits with that Pistons roster. And no. then it's been nice to see Cade Cunningham have a, a bounce back uh, junior season in the NBA. So definitely Detroit, definitely Indiana uh, was high on Benedict Matherin. I love traditional point guards like Tyrese Halliburton, who kind of sets the table for everybody. And then, yeah, Jairus Walker, again, is my dream power forward with this, mm-hmm. this core that we have. So, you know, keeping tabs on, on Jairus. Uh, OKC as well. Like I, I know they're the former Sonics, but like that era has kind of ended for me, and now it's like a new era. Shea Gilgis is probably one of my favorite non-Blazers. They're entertaining. Chet's been, Chet's been a first-team All Defense already type of of ca- talent. So it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to develop. Can he stay healthy? Uh, they've got so much depth of so many, you know, rookies. They, they've got like Kassan Wallace and Ujman Jang from the past two lottery classes that are fighting for minutes. Uh, both Jalen Williams are are really talented. And then, you know, Giddy is, I think, a unique talent in this league that not many teams have. So, like, it'd be interesting to see how the type of player like that could fit in with Portland uh, when you're looking at upcoming draft classes. You know, OKC is kind of setting the blueprint. They've got such a young talented fun bunch and then it really gets a little tough like those are the three that i'm watching um and i think they they may rotate a bit but right now orlando uh i, I really like their their two bigs with bancaro and, and wagner um and we saw them up close and personal on opening night uh older older wagner ha- had a great game uh we've been big wendell carter jr fans for a while uh jalen suggs is a pen uh, a, mm-hmm. a menace defensively Absolutely. But he can't shoot the ball to to, to save uh, anything. Um, I think this is the the, you cannot be singularly singularly focused at one thing anymore in this NBA. There's no more Amos and there's no more Kyle Corvers and there's no more strictly defense guys. You have to provide something other than that. And I don't think Jalen Suggs does that. (laughs) And I think my last team is the Denver Nuggets. Um, I know they're on national TV some, but not as much as they should. I just, I used to really dislike Denver, but like being a smaller market and seeing the disrespect they get, even after just destroying the the competition, I I feel that in my bones as a a Blazer fan. I, I love watching the Joker. I think he's probably one of the, I think he's already, you could say he's already top 10 all time and you wouldn't i wouldn't bat an eye um he's he's that dominant he's so fun to watch so unselfish jamal murray is a big bucket getter and it'd be interesting to see how how they defend their 
their crown. And then once Houston finally starts playing, this is a bonus. Once Houston starts finally playing the Tari Eason's and the Cam Whitmore's and the Amen Thompson's, I will definitely tune into those games. Cause again, those are all prospects that we really spent a lot of time mm. uh, researching. And it's always fun to, to see your research, to see if it pays off. Were you right? Were you wrong? How are they developing? And again, another small four that I would love to have Tari Eason. So um, Joe Cronin, if you're listening, you know, we're giving you some, some banger advice. So. I mean, even the Nuggets, like, I, I know you have a special affinity for Peyton Watson as well. So, there, like, there's young dudes even on these championship quality teams that are very interesting. Like, Peyton never had a chance at UCLA, but now without Bruce Brown on that roster, he actually has a chance to be something and show why he was such a high-value uh, high schooler. Like, now it's his time to shine, especially because he just has, like, you know, 20 minutes to play with now. So, but like even even those championship guys have interesting, interesting players to watch, and you know, you know. But uh, yes, I know that you have a secondary thing that you're trying to talk about with these teams. You already answered it. Oh, really? Yeah. My question was, what's your criteria for for a league pass team? Young, young. I want to see young dudes that I've scouted. Yeah, um, y- young player. It's for me. It's it's the young talent. I, I'm also like. I don't really want to watch Paul George and Jimmy Butler. I've seen you for 10 plus years. Like it, I've, I've been there, done that. Like, so like those teams are completely off my radar. I don't want to see any treadmill squads, Chicago, kick rocks, Toronto. Uh, no, uh, it's really the young teams. And then the, the generational talent for me, which is uh, Nicole Jokic. Um, th- and those- then obviously for me, it's DFS is the number one thing. Like today, Atlanta's going against Washington. I know before I leave on my trip uh, back to Medford, I'm going to watch some of that game because Washington's just so bad. And, you know, uh, Trey Young injured himself on a, at a trampoline park. So there's going to be a lot more value. So, but, you know, there's a lot of fun teams this year. So league pa- you owning League Pass is a very good thing. All right, let's get into the upcoming week. Uh, you are plus one on the predictions after picking a Blazer victory in Toronto. We have three games we are going to uh, discuss. Tonight's game in Detroit, concluding a three-game Eastern Conference road trip. Uh, and then uh, Friday, Sunday, home and home, one of them being the in-season tournament. Uh, but same opponent, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, real quick before we get into that, Sage, what are your? do you care about the in-season tournament? Does it Not matter to you? No. Yeah. Um it's I, new. I Why would I have any like feelings towards it? We haven't seen it go into fruition yet. As long as it keeps the players playing and stop being benched, th- sure. I, I sign me up for it. I, I think the I think the, everything about it feels a little uh gaudy and uh the courts are gonna be a little bit uh not a little, they're gonna be a colossal eyesore. Um the city edition uniforms are being rolled out. And I think it's been the worst of the six year iteration across the league. I mentioned, I was going to do a breakdown of my favorites and they all kind of uh, blue chunks. So uh, that, that could be a bit of a nightmare. Um, I'm thankful. I, I don't watch the, the Blazers broadcast because they're one of the only teams that superimposes digital ads onto the screen. So I can only imagine adding ads onto a bright red court. Um, not, not for me, but we'll, we'll see if the Blazers can but I'm more here to see how they perform uh, rather than how they look. Let's talk about the Detroit Pistons, a team we both have seen quite a bit of. You mentioned Jalen Duran not being in in the game. Um, I really want to see 
how Cade Cunningham and Scoot Henderson, two players very highly touted from early on, how does that matchup look like? Obviously, Cade has the size, Scoot has the speed, but Cade, I think this year has really came back with a nice looking uh, long range shot. Mm -hmm. He always had it. It's just he feels more. He always had the three point shot, even at Oklahoma State. He had it. It was just he would much rather, you know, drive it than shoot it. Like, I, I think that rookie Cade or not rookie, but freshman Cade was like one of the better shooters, freshman shooters ever. So he had it. It's just that he prefers the mid range game and he it's he's really awesome at it. I do think both teams struggle offensively and defensively. I think Jalen Durham being out is hugely, hugely important for us. Like, I, I I think DA is going to dominate if it's Beef Stew, Marvin Bagley, or uh, uh, why Detroit was going big. They were starting Isaiah Stewart, and yeah, they were going they were going Jaylen the jumbo, Durham, which muddled up their uh, <laughs> spacing. They're spacing yeah. a bit too. Yeah. So uh, Alec Burks has been giving him really good minutes off mm-hmm. the bench. I would anticipate he moves into the starting lineup, and they put Stewart. Um, at, five. In, at, at the five and they kind of play a little bit of a normal traditional basketball but it's monty uh, though you got to think though he loves that big lineup but I, I i think that that is the best layout for them is having alec burks move into the starting lineup and they going sort of sort of small if they go big though jeremy grant has to have a big game because he has to take advantage of isaiah stewart on the perimeter yeah but if they go small, then I, I really think this could be a, a really good game for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would. I think Shaden's going to have a good one as well. He just scores at such an efficient clip. I One thing I would love to see him, he gets two assists a game. I would love to boost that up. He is one of the few willing passers on this team. I would love to see him get more assists and more rebounds. Like right now, he's kind of just a scorer and rebounder i i think that he's more skilled than that so i would love to see him get more production right now he's getting a statistic of 0.8 statistics every minute on the court i would love to see that get a a, a, a point per minute statistically i would love to see some rob williams shade and sharp minutes together i think you could really exploit the defense with rob catching the ball in the paint maybe just below the free throw line and letting him make a decision with it um shaden is a fantastic off ball cutter obviously rob didn't play against toronto they're resting him on back he's off the he's off the injury yeah there are no 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 back-to-backs this week so he should be a a full go uh these three games so that's that's what i would like to see take advantage uh i would love to see jabari and rob get extended run as well jabari smart basketball player uh, cuts to the floor, cuts to the hoop uh, incredibly well. Um, I, I just think Detroit's a little bit better team right now, Jalen Dern or not. Um, I, I think the Blazers win because Dern's out. I've got the Detroit. Um, then up comes the 0 and 4 uh, Memphis Grizzlies. They are one of the few defeated teams left standing in the NBA. Uh, talk about battered and bruised. Mm-hmm. Obviously, John Morant is still serving his 25 game suspension. Steven Adams is out for the season. Brandon Clark potentially out for the season as well with an Achilles injury. Their starting lineup in their last game against the Dallas Mavericks was Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain in the backcourt, uh, third year players, Zaire Williams, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Xavier Tillman. Um, so they go pretty small. 
um, up front and their bench just is nothing that I would I would recommend looking at. Like you're you're gonna Eric Rose playing rise. 20 plus. I mean, you've got David Roddy getting 30 minutes, John Conchar getting 20. I mean, they Luke just Kennard's got off the injury report. Yeah, it's I mean, I would I would worry about Luke Kennard. He always seems to give us give us fits, but I think Portland splits one of the two. I don't think yeah, I, that's where team. I'm at as well. Portland's not a good enough team right now where I'm like, yeah, they've, they've, they've got two victories, but you have to feel Taylor Jenkins is an elite coach. Memphis is going to be hungry for a victory. And I don't think they get their first victory tonight in Utah. So they could be coming into Portland with an 0 and 4, 0 and 5 record. And that's never a good sign. I mean, you're basically, it's like a wounded animal. They're going to do whatever it takes to survive and, 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 and fight and, and just really scratch and claw no pun intended with uh, the memphis grizzlies but they've always been a gritty team uh and it's also really tough to play your first game off of a road trip especially when you're looking at players like tumani and scoot in that starting lineup where this is their first return road trip um how are they going to respond uh it, you know it's a lot of first will take place uh this season i want to see scoot versus marcus smart and like I that backcourt is full of Desmond good defenders Bain. what's that and this is then I want to see Shaden versus Desmond Bain. I think Desmond Bain might be my my dream small forward for this team. Yeah. He's fucking strong. <laughs> I think this is a game where you really got to take Tease out. And even though we don't love Malcolm, Malcolm minutes as much. If they're going to play Malcolm minutes is so much better than Matisse minutes for if, me. If they play Zaire Williams, I mean, he's getting 33, 33 minutes. You roll out that, that Malcolm Shaden scoot lineup and whoever is Zaire going to dominate Malcolm Brogdon. Hell though. No. Whoever Zaire is guarding, you need to make that young player play defense, get into foul trouble. Um, Basically just basically stay away from anybody not named Jared Jackson jr. I think uh, that DA is going to get him into foul trouble in the game. I'm, I'm at more he's like a foul monster. You have to be aware of where he's at on the court. Oh, absolutely. Time. But if he gets into three fouls in the first half, DA is going to dominate that game. Xavier tries yeah, very, very they hard, really need to. but he doesn't have the size. And so, again, I, I would anticipate they put Jaron on Jeremy, but yes, also let him And then he would help off. Yeah. For any. So if Portland decides to ISO Jeremy on Jaron, it's going to be a long game for Portland. I, I think they really need to work it into DeAndre, spread the floor, and the key will be hitting hitting open shots. Uh, can you open the floor up for your, your playmakers? But I have them splitting going one and two in the week. You have them splitting going two and one in the week. Uh, Sage, let's wrap this one up. Let our listeners know where they can find us. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher. Anywhere where you get your podcast, we are there. We are available fully on YouTube. Holy bet and our uh, account is Holy Backboard. We are on TikTok. You can look it up. The clip for the show, it's Desage HB on TikTok, and then we post all of the clips on IG as well. So thank you all for listening. We will be back soon, and uh, peace out. All right, man. I'm going to just edit this very quickly and then post and then put it on uh, YouTube. Then I can clip it. Perfect. Have a safe flight, bud. Peace. Bye. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's Let's go.